welcome to those who are uh, listening at home on Read the Readings tonight for August 30th. And thank you for those who are here this evening. Several really good texts, and my sermon text is going to be on the Old Testament lesson, which we're not going to look at yet, but I'll just tell you what it is. It's Deuteronomy 4, 1 through 2. Oh, you know what? I don't have my, my microphone on. Does that matter? As long as you guys can hear me, I guess I guess it's okay. Um, anyway, it's Deuteronomy 4, 1 through 2, and 6 through 9. Um, but we're going to start, actually, with Psalm 119. So if you will turn there in your Bibles, Psalm 119, verses 129 through 136. It's a long psalm. And you'll notice when you start getting into 119... The psalm is divided up by sections, and those sections correlate with the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, And so, again, it's Psalm 119, verses 129 through 136. Psalm 119, verses 129 through 136. Is that the longest psalm? I mean, that's Don't put me on the spot like that, Betty. Okay. No, no, it's not. It's okay. Uh, I do not know off the top of my head. Um, it's very long. It has a total of 176 verses. No, uh, yeah, 176 verses. But, um, but yeah, as you'll notice there, the psalm is divided up into sections. Each section has to uh, is correlated with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Um, and so this. Uh, um, pay uh, begins with verse 129. And I will read that. 129 through 136. Everybody get everybody there? Anybody out there? Okay. Your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Turn to me and have mercy on me, as you always do to those who love your name. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Redeem me from the oppression of men, that I may obey your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your decrees. Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. Okay. Several things in this psalm. What are some things that stand out to you? I guess one question that I would want to ask right away is, does any verse and what it says in that verse strike you as, I don't know, odd or perhaps even backwards? It's comforting to me. It gives me some direction as Mm -hmm. far as how and what to do and, Mm -hmm. and... is there any verse in, in particular that strikes you as comforting? Um, that um, make your face shine on your servant and teach me your decrees. To me, that is a lot like um, the, some of the benediction. Good. Okay. Uh huh. Good. All right. Anybody else? Does anything strike you as either comforting or perhaps odd or? Perhaps something that maybe you didn't expect? It 
In verse 130, it says it gives understanding to the simple. Okay. Uh, I don't know what it's referring to there. Hmm. To the okay. simple what? All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hang on to that. We'll probably answer that in a little bit. Good. Does anybody find 131 odd at all? Open I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Does anybody find that odd? And if so, why? Well, I was just going to ask the background of that mm -hmm. person writing that. Yeah. Because well, maybe we can uh, attack that question in a, a little bit differently. Uh, if somebody gives you a command to do, how can that be a comfort? If somebody tells you to do. Um, your mother, when you were growing up, said, eat your vegetables. Well, we'll use that as an example. Good. Okay, it was for your own, your own good. Yeah, good. And you have okay. parameters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good, yeah, uh, gives you um, guidelines. Mm -hmm. Okay, good, right? Boundaries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe okay. if you say, don't play in the street, that's, you know, the command is for your protection. Mm -hmm. Good, and so perhaps then the writer of the, of the psalm, if I go back to the beginning, um, yeah, perhaps then that the writer of the psalm is looking for structure, he's looking for boundaries, or perhaps and probably so, not just any boundaries, but what kind of boundaries or whose boundaries? God's. God's, yeah. Yeah, he, 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 he finds comfort um, in that the first section of that verse, I open my mouth and pant. Does anybody have a different translation of that? Anything? It's a different translation, but it says pant. Also. Pant, that one, that, that says pant too, okay. Um, so the writer of, of this psalm is, is looking for boundaries, and not just any boundaries, but, but the Lord's boundaries, uh, specifically his commands, okay? Because he finds comfort in them, all right? Um, well, like verse 133, my, the way mine says it is, guide my steps by your words, so I will not be overcome by any evil. Mm -hmm. So the commands will keep me out of harm's way. Yeah, that's exactly right. Put another way, and we're going to see this when we, when we get to our, our last text, which is the sermon text, the Deuteronomy text. Follow the commands and you will live. Do what God says and you will live. Okay? Um, uh, 134, right after that, redeem me from the oppression of men that I may obey your precepts. How can people's oppression keep us from obeying God's precepts? Keep us from obeying God's commands or commandments. Well, it's like not law of the church. Yeah, okay. Um, I'd imagine that, that many of us, if not all of us, have friends to certain degrees of those friendships uh, of people who don't perhaps believe, or maybe they believe, but they don't really follow or practice, okay? And if we're not careful, um, I, once had a, I, once, I once asked one of my seminary professors, we were talking about 
um, trying to live like Jesus, and it, it was his uh, uh, it was his opinion. Not that we shouldn't go out and preach the, the gospel, but it, it was his opinion that uh, if your idea of ministry is to go out and just hang out with sinners all of the time, you're looking at it backwards. Um, his point was, we do not have the ability to surround ourselves to make our circle of friends the, or the circle of people that we spend the most amount of time with, with people who don't follow God. You cannot be, as, um, as Paul says, you cannot be unequally yoked, right? Um, and the danger is, is that, well, we are still sinful, and if we are not careful, we will begin to succumb to the same temptations that, that they do. Um, it's, and so what my seminary's professor's point was, was actually very simple. I, I asked him very, uh, it, was, it was either my first or second year of seminary, I was a very naive pre-pastor then, and I said, well, Jesus did it, so why can't we? And he answered very simply, well, you're not Jesus. Well, he was right, and is right, because only Jesus has the ability to not fall into the same Temptation, okay. Um, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't tell your friends about the gospel because you should. But what that does mean is that you do not purposefully circle yourselves around sinners, trying trying to uh, convince yourself that this is what Jesus has called you to do. And that's because that's just not the case. Does that make sense? Does anybody have any questions or thoughts about about that? Um, one, uh, let's see, 135, make your face shine upon your, your servant. That's kind of like what Betty said. Sounds a lot like the benediction. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your decree. So not only does he want, not only does, does, does he long for the commands of God, but he wants to be taught them. He wants to learn them. It's important to him. Uh, streams, streams of tears flow from my eyes for your law is not obeyed. So following God's law is so important to him, uh, to the writer, it becomes a very emotional experience. And when that doesn't happen, um, you know, whether it's from uh, himself that does not follow them or whether he sees it from people around him, it, it, it literally brings tears to his eyes that people are not following God. Okay. Any other thoughts or questions? Uh, in those those few short verses. All right, let's flip over to Mark 7, 14 to 23. Mark chapter 7, verses 14 to 23. <clears throat> Excuse me, Mark chapter 7. Verses 14 to 23. All right, everybody there? Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? 
for it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. And saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. So what is he talking about? (laughs) Use the psalm to sort of guide your guide your thoughts on what Jesus is referring to to here. It's kind of one of the neat things that the lectionary does most of the time is that all three of the scriptural lessons have one thing in common. Well, it makes a difference of what you're hearing, seeing, mm-hmm. being subject to. Mm-hmm. Yep. Watching mm-hmm. the TV or on the internet. Yeah, because what can eventually, and that by itself does not necessarily um, make you unclean. You shouldn't do it. But it, that doesn't by itself necessarily make you unclean. But what makes you unclean then is what comes out of you from watching those things, from reading those things, from hanging around those kinds of people, right? Um, as I said, we, we will not, I don't care who you are, I don't care if you're Gandhi, if you hang around sinners enough, sinners, um, if you hang around non-believers enough, eventually their thought processes and their actions will begin to affect you. It's just, it's just a guarantee that that is going to happen. Jesus says there is nothing in verse 15, there is nothing outside a man that can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. Okay? There is nothing outside of a man that can make him dirty, that can make him not clean, but only what comes out of him that makes him dirty. Okay? He goes on, verse 17, uh, sorry, verse 18. Don't you see that nothing enters a man from the outside that can make him unclean, for it does not go into his heart, um, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. Remember that the psalmist was writing from the perspective that he loved the statutes and the commands of God, because why? Because by following them, he would live. Yeah, by following them, he would live. Okay? That comes from outside of him, right? Okay. Following God's commands, following God, God's statutes. Okay. So what Jesus is saying here is he is essentially doing what he said in the gospels that he came to do, not to abolish the law, but to be the fulfillment of them, to make them, um, how was it, uh, described to me, um, or that I heard it said, uh, um, I can't remember the exact words, but to be, the, to be the fulfillment of them. There was only one man who had ever lived that was clean, right? And that, of course, was Christ. And Christ is the one that followed all of the statutes. Christ is the one that followed all of the rules, all of the commandments, okay? And so um, he 
is the one then that can very effectively say this because he was the one that went to the cross in order to make it possible that we who, who are unclean by the things that come out of us, by the things that we do and say and think, that we can then be made clean. Okay? And as God's word says, this is not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. Does that make sense? Does anybody have any questions about, about that? I'm still trying to tie the psalm mm-hmm. to that. I'm, I'm... Well, I was thinking uh, in verse 133 mm-hmm. uh, where it said, direct my footsteps according to your word, let no sin rule over me. Ah, good. Uh-huh. We're all sinners, mm-hmm. but when it rules us, mm-hmm. and in this chapter in Mark, it kind of brings out, I think, where you're letting your sin rule you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and um, when when it when it comes out of you and it, it takes over your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it kind of goes back to to the old saying, you know, if if you, if you want to know what somebody's like, um, what somebody is really like, like what their character is really like, what do they do when nobody else is watching, right? Um, and uh, because because then you really sort of begin to see what that what that is. Remember that the psalmist wants to follow God's commands. He longs for them, verse 131, um, as we're going to see in Deuteronomy, because he wants to live. Because he wants to be loved by God. And to be loved by God means, well, you are following his statutes. You are following his commandments. Okay? Um, so if we, if, we go, if we then go back to Mark, Mark 7, um, where was the verse I was looking at? Let's see. Yeah, verse, verse 20, he kind of goes on and says what many examples of, of, of what comes from within out of our hearts, uh, uh, sexual immorality, theft, murder, arrogance, folly, all of those things. And then in verse 23, all these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Well, the only way that we are made clean is, of course, through Christ. Okay? And the only way that we are going to be able to enter into the presence, the only way that anybody can enter into the presence of God is to be clean. It's very similar to when, um, do you remember what Moses, what God told Moses that he needed to do before he approached the bush? Do you remember? Take, take off your, yeah. Take off your sandals because the place that you are walking is holy ground. Okay, it's kind of that that same idea. Only those who um, are just and right in God's eyes can then be entered into His presence. Okay, it is not things that we do, things outside of us, that can save us. Anybody else? Any questions on that? Maybe does anybody, Am I explaining that decently well enough? I mean, if, if I'm not, please please ask. Okay. All right. Uh, let's flip now to, to Deuteronomy. I think that's going to help kind of help the, the rest of this make sense. So Deuteronomy four, one through two. 
and 6 through 9. Too far. Deuteronomy 4, 1 through 2, and 6 through 9. Deuteronomy 4, 1 through 2, and 6 through 9. Hear now, O Israel, the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. Skipping down to verse 6. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations, who will hear about all these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. And this is where uh, coming to read the readings is nice because I'm going to read a little bit more than what the lectionary has because I think it's helpful. Remember the day you stood before the Lord at, at Horeb when he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens with black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words but saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to follow and then wrote them on two stone tablets. And the Lord directed me at that time to teach you the decrees and laws you are to follow in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Okay. We'll start with verse, well, we'll start with verse 1. Here now are the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is, is, is giving you. What are they to follow so that they live? The commandments. The commandments. The decrees and laws. That was the covenant. So Moses brings down the Ten Commandments, right? And the people are, they, they, they can't even make it, I mean, they haven't even started, right? Moses brings down the Ten Commandments and they are worshiping a golden calf and a God that they have made in their own image, which is going to come into play in just a, a little bit. Moses, in his anger, gets so mad that he smashes the tablets. Okay? Um, follow them. Follow my decrees and my statutes so that you may live. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord that I give you. Do not add to it, do not subtract to it. Why? This, as we kind of t talked about with the psalmist, here's the boundaries. Stay in the boundaries and you live. I mean, I, I guess if, if you were going to put it simply, it's really simply put. Stay within, within the boundaries and you will live. And of course, they couldn't do that. Right? They... They continually failed over and over and over and over again. Now, another great uh, reason why coming to read the readings is nice, so you guys get to benefit from it. Keep your finger in Deuteronomy 4, 
Flip to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Not very far. So keep your finger or something in Deuteronomy 4. Flip to Deuteronomy 18. Verse 14. Deuteronomy 18, verse 14. The nations you will dispossess listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. There's the boundaries. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord. Now this is Moses talking. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when he said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. The Lord said to me, What they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you, Moses, from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. If anyone does not listen to my words, that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded him to say, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, must be put to death. You must say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. So, there's a connection here between chapter 4 and chapter 18. Stay within uh, uh, the, the Old Covenant, as we see here also in chapter 4. Stay within the boundaries, and you live. Right? Well, we know that that doesn't happen. And so what does God promise the people through Moses? Uh, according to verse 15. What, what does God promise the people? He'll raise up a prophet. And you must what? Listen. Listen to him. Another way to say that you must believe in him. There we see the foreshadowing of Christ all the way back in Deuteronomy with Moses. All right? So the old covenant says, do this and you will live. Stay within the boundaries, the statutes and the rules and the decrees, and you will live. The new covenant with the prophet that is to come says, listen to him, believe in him, and you will live. Okay. Um, go back to ch- chapter 4. The other Can verse I that I want to... Yes, please, go ahead. Chapter, uh, in verse 15, the Lord... Your of God, chapter... Uh, we're still in Deuteronomy 18. Okay, please, go ahead. Verse 15. Mm-hmm. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. Who's that referring to? Like God? Like Moses. So this is Moses, Moses talking. talking. Right. So from verses 14, well, I mean, it, it's all Moses. But I guess Moses is sort of speaking in the first person in verse from 14 to 16. Okay. Um, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. Okay. Um, good. Okay. Now. Go back to chapter 4 and skip down uh, to verse 7. Verse 7 is a, very, is a very important verse. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? This is where context is important. At this time, the pagan nations, if they wanted to be close to their God, they had to do things in order to make that happen. If their God was hungry, how you would know that, I have no idea. But if their God was hungry, they brought their God food. 
That made their God happy, thus they were close to their God. If their God desired a sacrifice, you just brought it. And that's what happened. Not only were they sacrificing to these pagan gods, to these false gods, but what what were they also doing? We know this even from God's own people with the golden calf. They were making their own gods. They were fashioning their own gods in their own image in order what? To be close to their deity, to be close to their God. And so here uh, is God, verse 7. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God? I'm sorry, this is, um, yeah, God through Moses. Um, as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him. This has that connection with chapter 18. A prophet like Moses, listen to him. Believe in him. Uh, Verse 8, And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws as I am setting before you today? Okay? Um, And this is why, uh, beginning at verse 10 and, and 11, why these verses are important. Verse 10, remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in land that they may teach their children. Verse 11, you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens with black clouds and deep darkness. You couldn't get really close. The people couldn't. The people couldn't get really close to God. At least not to his form. Right? So the people couldn't really get close to God, God in form. So um, you have all of these, again, context is important. You have all, all of these pagan nations who are, are worshiping these gods. And what are they doing? They are, there's that word, forming them. They're making their own gods. Well, um, Again, this is why, 10, uh, why um, verses 10, 11, and 12 are important to this text. God, God is, is saying, when I was talking to you at Horeb, I didn't have a form. I wouldn't let you see my form. And then what happens in verse 18? He promises what? He promises the form. He promises God in human form. I'm sorry, uh, God in human form, which, of which would eventually be That's not right. verse Jesus. 18. Huh? You said in verse 18? I'm sorry. Anyway, chapter, chapter 18. 18. Sorry. Sense. Yeah. Sorry. sorry. So in chapter 18, yeah, that, yeah, that, that verse 18 would, would definitely not be right. But in chapter 18, so he's talking about that prophet like Moses. God comes in human form. And then what happened at the birth of Jesus? I mean, I guess a lot of stuff, stuff happened. The old covenant is gone. The new covenant has come. This prophet like Moses has come signaling the brand new covenant. And what are we to do? What's our end of the covenant? Listen to him. Believe him. Where else have we heard those words, listen to him? Specifically, I'm going to try to narrow it down down for you. Specifically in the New Testament, in the Gospels, usually at very close to the beginning of some Gospels. Who else says Listen to him. Anybody? Anybody? For 500 imaginary <laughs> bonus points? Anybody? Anybody? 
Remember, Jesus is getting baptized John by the John. Well, John doesn't say it. So Jesus gets baptized. Heaven opens up. The Spirit descends on him like a dove. And the Gospels say, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. They receive those, those same words. I mean, it just, sometimes the Bible just gives you chills. I mean, it's just, man, wow. Um, and so there, again, we have the, the people who were forming and fashioning false gods, feeding false gods, not just, um, not just the pagans, but that was beginning to seep into the Israelite people too. And then God, in verse eight, I'm sorry, verse chapter 18, says, well, I am going to be sending to you a prophet like Moses, a prophet like myself. Listen to him. Believe in him. And so that's, that's where we have the new covenant at. Does that make sense? Kind of? Um, <coughs> thoughts or questions on that or anything that I can clarify? <clears throat> it's it's just kind of hard to for me to get that all connected the way you could you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to remember one of the ways that perhaps this might help with that is that there is nothing in the Old Testament that does not point to Jesus. Every single part of it does. Um, and so um, when you sort of look at it through that lens, it, I think, helps. You know, it, it, it makes a little bit more sense. Okay. Well, and it kind of helps when I know who, who, is, who it's referring to. You know, like mm-hmm. a, a new prophet like Moses or mm-hmm. who's, doing the, who's doing the writing or who's the speaking. That kind of helps. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, verse 9 is, is important, too, of chapter 4. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Um, interestingly, the same seminary prof that I referenced uh, earlier said this little tidbit also. He said... Uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, because my parents told me so, right? Um, we, we teach and we, and we confess that, that children, as young as newborn infants, even babies inside of the womb, can have faith, right? Um, and so, yes, Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so, but um, to be more chronologically accurate, hopefully... We are singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, because my parents told me so. My, my, my parents are the reason for why I know that Jesus is my Lord, my Savior. Or they were the first reason why. Um, because they taught it to me. They brought me to church. They brought me to Sunday school. Um, and so this, what God is teaching his people, teach them to your children and to their children after them. The story gets passed down from generation to generation to generation. Specifically, and more imp- and most importantly, um, as we get into chapter 18, where we talk about this prophet that is to come, um, Hebrews references Jesus as our prophet, priest, and king. 
Okay? This prophet like Moses who speaks God's word, who speaks God's commands and his decrees. Now here's what's, what's interesting about this prophet like Moses about Jesus was that he never let the people off the hook. Right? He never once said that I have come to abolish the law. He never once said um, uh, you don't have to worry about loving your neighbor as yourself. He didn't say that. The laws were still there. The commandments still existed. And so for him uh, to then say, well, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law, to be the fulfillment of the law, well, it, I, I like to think it, it really begins to help this text make a lot more sense. He has come to be the fulfillment of the law, then he is crucified on the cross. He crucifies our failure to keep the law. And this is where Paul talks about in Galatians, in Romans, where he talks about being crucified with, with Christ. Okay? Our sins are, um, uh, yeah, our, our sins are, are crucified with Christ. And what comes out on the other side is what is a clean person, right? Clean from the inside. This is why we baptize babies, because babies need this too. Pastor Jay. Yes, ma'am. I know the importance of not taking things out of context. Yeah, please go ahead. But as I read um, 7. Of chapter 4. 4. What other nation is so great, and then what other nation is so great, and then go on to, and I only be careful, and watch yourself. Mm -hmm. It's like it's written for us today. Yeah, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way that our God is near to us? Certainly, we, we, we live in a, in a very blessed nation for many reasons, but perhaps the biggest reason is because we are free without fear of, of government, well, um, without fear of persecution that a lot of the other, a lot of the rest of the world sees against us. Um, yeah, we know so many other gods out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, only be careful and watch yourselves closely, so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen, or let them, or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Well, again, eleven and twelve help with that. What did they see? Well, you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain that was blazing with fire to the very heavens with black clouds and deep darkness. And then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. And not, and not only these verses, but what else have the, the people seen? Well, the, the other, what else that the people have seen is they've seen the Lord go, or at least they're, um, they, um, uh, in the Exodus, God goes before them as a pillar of cloud, I'm sorry, as a, pillar of fire by night so that they can see he is a pillar of cloud above them so that the sun will not scorch them okay and these are all things that the people have seen these are all things that people have heard tell them to your children tell them how faithful that that your god is tell them how near that your god is i mean you could really um man uh you would have absolutely no problem uh, I don't think, think any, although we would probably throw a bunch of people off, but you could have this, this text be a Christmas text. Why? Emmanuel means God with us. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, Revelation 21. Uh, now the dwelling place of God is with people, is with men. The temple of the curtain is torn in two after Jesus is crucified, thus signifying that, that God does not live any longer in the temple, but he lives, he lives here. Okay? He, he is with us. So not only is he near, well, yeah, not only is he with us, he is near us. He is, he is inside us. Anybody else? Questions or, or thoughts on that, or um, any of the, the texts that we've talked about? All right. Um, I do not have anything else to say on this on these texts. So, um, thanks for coming, and let's close with the Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever and ever. Amen. Have a blessed evening, get home safe, and we'll see you all on Sunday. We'll hear more Sunday. Thank you.